I'm Erin Hosier. My favorite literary podcast is Other People with Brad Listy. Most writers are so neurotic, but they've had really interesting childhoods. Even if they didn't, you still want to hear how they got their book deals. Did they write with confidence? Or were they puking through that process like me? With more than 600 episodes since 2011, past guests include some of the most fascinating and popular writers, including Susan Orlean, Hilton Ailes, George Saunders, Cheryl Strayed, Brett Easton Ellis, Otessa Moshfeg, Roxanne Gay, even Jonathan Franzen. Who's next? Michelle Obama? And every one of those 600 episodes are available for free. Brett Ellis's podcast ain't free. New episodes hit every Wednesday, and you can find them online at otherpeople.com, otherppl.com, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Tell Me About Your Father, a podcast about daddy issues, father figures, and dismantling the paternal mystique. So busy. Mm -hmm. My Facebook alert system told me that our friendship is four years old. I believe it. That's crazy. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Remember um, back in 2014 when we weren't friends? I don't. It feels (laughs) like forever. Exactly. I don't remember that. I don't remember a time. It just reminded me that I was still writing don't Let Me Down, my book about my relationship with my dad and growing up in the 90s. And so that didn't come out until 2018. Available in all fine bookstores. Uh, that's right. Now in paperback. Ooh. That's what we bonded over. We bonded over laughing about our own daddy issues. Mm-hmm. Just And one of the first, like the formative experiences that you shared was your coming of age to love line the radio call-in show right talk about it (laughs) (laughs) love line for a certain generation i'm 37 yeah um and i'm 45 so it's like let's call it younger gen x older millennials right and their parents, frankly. Yeah, we'll call it people born in the the mid-70s to mid-80s, question mark. Yeah. But Loveline was a radio show that was on your local, it was usually the alternative station. It was on at night. It was a call-in sex advice show hosted by Dr. Drew Pinsky, who was an actual doctor. I think his actual, <laughs> what was his, he he's, always said it. He's still an actual doctor. He's an actual doctor. He, you know, he's an MD. An ad- addiction medicine specialist. They would always try to cram it in that he was board certified. Board certified i'm certifiably <laughs> bored <laughs> um, but it was it was a show it was really popular and people would call in with all sorts of questions that ranged from true medical sexual questions like it hurts when i pee it hurts when i pee or like i think i have a lump in my breast or more classic examples to you know stuff that was more the hazy thorny mazes of sexuality that most people go through in their adolescence like is it gay that my friend and i watch porn together like a, a, a call from a 14 year old boy yeah asking that or people calling in and asking about fetishes what is this impulse in me what right. does this mean that i'm attracted to my cousin and it made for great radio because 
there's always that question of, is it real? Is this person who's calling about their obsession with their peanut butter licking pets? Um, <laughs> what was up with people in the 90s putting peanut butter on their dicks? I, I honestly, <laughs> yeah. The show is really exciting. And one of the reasons why it's so listenable is because he also has this sort of sidekick with him in the studio named Adam Carolla, who's kind of a like, like says what he says, what he thinks is supposed to be the foil to Dr. Drew's straight man, professional doctor personality. Yeah. Well, he's a he's an aging stand up comedian who he's kind of like a Tim Allen Mm. type Mm -hmm. right but younger great comparison it's like his shtick is men are one way and women are tits right (laughs) right and and then and the way that he makes that work even in the halcyon misogyny days of the early 90s is that it's women are tits but god damn it don't we love them for putting up with us yeah yeah you know like the salt of the earth yeah Mm -hmm. isn't he like full-on yeah, I think right he's like wing. a full Trumpy Trumper guy. But, you know, during all of this, he was also doing the man show in 1999. It was on from 99 to 2004. But here's a here's just a taste. You know, I'm, I'm reading off the Wikipedia page for the man show. But like Jimmy Kimmel has since like come out and been like, that was stupid. And I regret doing that. And Adam Carolla has yeah. only doubled down and been like, I'll never apologize so the show was a comedy sketch show. It lampooned the, the stereotypical loudish male perspective in a sexually charged humorous light and end the shows with the girls on trampoline segment, which was literally sure. just footage of girls shot from below, I, like women jumping on trampolines upskirt. and upskirt kind of shots with like in their underwear. Well. Yeah. This person who's giving advice to 15-year-old girls about rape is simultaneously at the end of a Comedy Central show that's airing at the same time showing women jumping on trampolines. One young woman calls in and her question is, "Why won't my boyfriend go down on me? He just doesn't like it." And Adam Carolla says, "Well, is he gay or is he black?" Like, clearly you can't say that today. Right. But that was always wrong. It's not like I heard that 20 years ago and was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know that like what Adam Carolla is saying even 20 years ago, people are like, that's shitty and and stupid to say. And also, Adam Carolla has no regrets. But it's important to mention the 90s, there was no internet that we had access to. America was not known and still isn't known for its human sexuality education or focus on um, human sexuality as kids develop or what sexuality even is or birth control. You had MTV if you had cable television. You had Mm -hmm. the Howard Stern show, which had been on since 1986 and was like the shock jock you know, that movement of like, we can say everything but the F word (laughs) on on the radio. Right. So why not just let it out there? You could say the N word, just not the F word. Sure. So that was the dynamic. Like we wanted to get our health news from a comedian and somebody who we thought was actually like a real medical professional and had our best interests at heart, you know. That was this on we thought. 
Adam Carolla is currently 55 and Drew is 61, which means that 20 years ago they were in their mid, you know, mid 30s. They were adults, you know, early 40s. And Dr. Drew was probably a parent. Yes, he has has triplets. I was surprised to learn that most of the callers were underage, you know, less than 21. And even though I was less than 21 when I was calling or when I was listening, there's so many young people that call in and in particular young girls. Hmm. But but now the idea that a 35-year-old shock jock and... Well, it's actually sort of, criminal, some of the things that they say uh, right. to, to like a girl that will be 13, for instance. So one thing that is most alarming is taking bets on what had happened to Yay. these young women while they waited on the line and could hear what was being said about them. So let's listen to... An episode that features an 18-year-old girl and a band that you've never heard of called Stroke Nine. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. This episode is from January 17th, 2000, and they're listening to a woman talking about her boyfriend who's a little older than her. She's worried about getting pregnant. She's contracted two STDs from him. It's not like this is a situation where you're like, yep, this is a great idea relationship that's not full of... And they never are. If you're calling into Loveline, you haven't had therapy. You don't know anything about life Mm -hmm. or... A lot of these kids are not educated on the basics of the birds and the bees. Right. At this point, they've just gotten this caller, Courtney, who's 18, to admit that her boyfriend is a diesel mechanic, which then sends Adam Carolla on a riff about him being super white trash and clearly stupid. And they keep <laughs> returning to this urging, please, whatever you do, don't don't get, get pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. So she moved across the country to be with this person she'd only known for a few weeks, right? right? Mm -hmm. So they are gambling on what is in her past that made her do do something so crazy. Right. An 18-year-old do something so crazy. Without even knowing what the question at hand even is. Right. At this point, all we know is that she contracted two STDs from this person. and We should point out that they're very common STDs also. Herpes and Everybody's got herpes. (laughs) Very um, common. Very common, very treatable. to get. So here's this bedding that happens when women call in and talk about complicated things, what they do when they call in. Okay. I mean, I've moved from a different state for this guy after knowing him for three weeks. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Want to do some gambling here? Yeah, I'm going to hold on yeah. a second. You guys got money? we got to gamble. Right. There's, uh, there's something going on here with Courtney. Moved to a different state, three weeks. All right, now here's how this uh, gambling works. We gamble on the past, not on the present or the future. We want to know what kind of environment she came from. Now, you can gamble and say parents loved her, no problem. You can go with alcoholic dad. You can go with uh, sexual abuse, whatever you like. Uh, you guys got money? Uh, yeah, yeah, money. Oh, okay. Money, I think. Got, uh, just a buck will do. Hold on, did we get our per diems today? <laughs> I gotta say, I know there's something over there, but I do not have a clear read on it. I don't. Uh, I may go a different angle here. This is what I've got. You guys got? You I got my own angle here. Oh, I got dollar. Oh, I got five. What do you got? You got dollar? Yeah. All right. I'm. I'm gonna go first. Oh, this is tough. I'm gonna go with uh, Fat in High School. 
Uh, reasonable. Yeah, it's uh, it's a hunch. You know, knew him for three weeks and came out there. That's uh, the move of a big gal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. On the other hand, out early. I mean, on her own early. Got to be a lot of chaos at home. Yeah. Stepdad doing something. You know what I'm saying? What do you think, Eric? I, I kind of think the alcoholic dad, you know. That's a reasonable bet. Yeah. That's a good bet. Very right, safe. Almost too easy. Yeah, it is. Right, what was I mean, his drink? Who didn't have one, you know? <laughs> uh, Jim Beam. Yeah. Jim Beam, okay. I'm going to go with dropped on her head. Safe. Yeah, as an infant. Dropped this, and she won't remember that, yeah. though. She won't remember, but, you know, she'll probably say they loved her. Well, let me say, you're not going to win any money if she doesn't remember. I, I've got the, uh, here, I've got the, uh, this, you know, um, the chaos, but I'm, I'm cutting my own path. I'm totally independent from my parents. Uh-huh. So I'm getting the, like, the, the opposite of what she's presenting, maybe, like, wealthy parents over intrusive, but she wouldn't perceive it that way. Large family. We'll see what happens. Large family yeah. who uh, are, are very involved, but semi well to do. Yeah, Luke, come on, not dropped on the head. That's not gonna work. Um, I kind of disagree with you, dude, because I mean, you know, if she's going out with a, a diesel. Yeah, but this is her. This could is her, be rebelling. Her, her rebelling yeah. you no, 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 no. But well, let, let Luke venture a guess. Um, gosh, I think that that uh, she is. I mean, how, Someone's got to go with molested. Yeah. You know, to go with molested, rape. Come on. I don't think raped. Molested. Think, yeah, probably molested. My thing is, where's where she get Uncle, so. dad. Um, I'm going with step. I'm going stepdad. I, I think there's a stepdad yeah. in somewhere. Yeah, Adam, where's, where does she get the funds to travel states? 18. Well, this guy doesn't have the funds. Uh, just quiet down. Greyhound. Colombo. Wow, they really covered the gamut. Yeah. Okay, this was 2000, so this is almost 20 years ago, or 20 years ago. Feels like yesterday. It feels like yesterday. I just want to say that even 20 years ago, a board-certified addiction medicine specialist and An whatever MD. the fuck else he is should know how deeply problematic making a game out of a woman's trauma experience is. Yeah. That doesn't feel like we just post me to pull that out of our asses. 20 years ago, he had to know that what he was doing was he fucked up. He wanted to be Howard Stern, but instead he just had to go to medical school, I guess. <laughs> and Right. And the other thing that's interesting about that clip is that the members of the band A Stroke Nine are Eric and Luke. Eric guesses alcoholic father, and then Luke guesses that she was dropped on her head. Ha ha, lol. Later, Adam gets frustrated with that and is like, come on, you got to pick one thing. He's upset with a this member of this band that has not taken this seriously and is like, come on, dude, not she was dropped on her head. She was molested. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta pick one. You gotta pick one thing. Also it's I just picked one. Thing. I picked it's just one thing. His analysis of fat in high school is incredible to me. Fat. Fat. That's that something that up. only a desperate fat chick would do. And then Drew's takeaway is that she's pushing back against a her wealthy privilege. family. Yeah, yeah her yeah. privilege. She's acting out. Hearing that and knowing full well that what they were doing was fucked up and that this was stupid. And then another part of me, I mean, the voice is much quieter now, will ever go away, which is like, oh, no, maybe I am the fat girl in high school. You know, one wonders, what's Courtney doing? Could Courtney hear what they're saying? 
throughout all of this while she's on hold the what she must have been fat in high school kind of stuff anyway so they've just gambled and she absolutely can hear what they're saying and here's what courtney says in response now courtney yeah okay now what's up i wasn't fat in high school Mm. Yeah. Okay. I was raped when I was 15. You were raped at 15? Raped at 15. It's not a stepmom. I've got a stepdad. Or I've got a stepmom, not a stepdad. Mm-hmm. Okay, she was abusive. She was abusive. Physically abusive. Physically, yes, very. Uh-huh. Okay. And what happened before 15? The physical abuse of mom. Physical yeah. abuse of stepmom? Ever since yeah. I was in third grade, she's... That'll do it. Where's, um, where's real mom? I don't know. I haven't known her since I was three. Haven't known her, and yeah. uh, was dad must not have been much of a prize. Um, he's I have a good father. But yeah, but he, good fathers don't bring home physically abusive stepmoms and then let them have their way with their kids. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Was he working all the time? Do I work? Was he working all the time? My dad. Yeah. He now he does. He didn't back then. Before he was a manager at a grocery store. Well, okay. Drew's out. No. Yeah, that that the whole Drew that uh, that was the that was worst guess. guess I've ever heard in my life. Yes, I, I couldn't get a read on her. <laughs> Come on, how, how how tall are you? Six foot. Six foot. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh How much you weigh? Uh, one fifty. Wow, that's about right. That's a lot of woman. Jesus. And how do you, you weren't f- big in high school. No. How'd you get the funds to follow this guy across states? I modeled in high school. Oh, man, I'm oh, humiliated. Man. How'd you get the funds to go across states? How did, oh, I, well, first it was Greyhound. <laughs> All right. Uh, Drew, you're, you're really, you're barking curious. up the no, wrong tree No, 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 I'm here. curious. I'm, 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 I'm out. Listen, six hey, fo- I'm out. Six-foot chick and a hitchhike. Uh, she can get to San Francisco before you could get there from Burbank. She really could. You, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> All right. Wait, 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 wait. I think she's got something to tell us. What did you, how did you get funds? Uh, well, I got, my dad was going to pay for the, my dad did pay for the plane ticket for me to get over here. He just, uh, to go uh, hang with the diesel mechanic? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, Courtney? Yeah. So, wait a minute. Did your dad do any drinking? He used to. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, when did he quit? Mm, when I was probably 12. Twelve. All right. So dad was an alcoholic. Daddy drank. He yeah. drank like a twelve pack a day. <laughs> twelve pack. He drank for the government. Twelve pack of Jim Beam. No. no. Okay. But he drank. He, he did some drinking. Yeah. Stepmom was abusive. Who raped you when you're fifteen? This guy that's in the Air Force now. Okay. Thank God he we was. have him uh, protecting yeah, the country. Yeah, he was fifteen. And uh, was he a boyfriend or something? Oh, it was just an acquaintance. No. And uh, no uh, sexual abuse before that. Not that I know of. I mean, my stepmom's told me that my dad was taken to court for um, physically abuse, like molestation, child molestation for me and my little sister. What the hell are you talking about now? Come on. Wouldn't that that count as something? I don't know if it's true or not. (laughs) Well, Uh, hold on. I'm going, yeah. Yeah, based on your behavior now. I can tell it in your voice. Yeah. Based on your behavior now, we'd say it probably was true. All right, Courtney. Did he, did he go to jail? No. No. Courtney, listen to me. Um, see if you can read a book. See if you can get a little counseling. Please, please, please don't get pregnant. And don't get married for a while. All right? Okay. All right. Uh, she's going to be married, and she's going to be pregnant in three months. <laughs> so much to unpack. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. Where to begin? I almost feel like Adam Carolla was more sensitive in that 
reaction than Dr. Drew <sighs> at a, certain that's points. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I think what's hard. Where Drew's like, come on now. Come on now. What are you talking about? And that counts. You know, it's weird because, as we've said, talking about this, they're not like Adam Carolla telling her, please don't get pregnant with the diesel mechanic that you knew for three weeks before you moved to be with him. Please take care of yourself. His quip about the rapist serving, like, I'm so glad someone like that's serving our country. Like, he makes those flashes of some sort of awareness of what he's doing and trying to help. Whereas Drew, the real physician and therapist, right, is he's not a therapist. He's a board certified addiction medicine specialist is like, come on now. Come what on are you now. Talking about? Have some self-awareness, dummy. Courtney, age 18, who we've now learned within the course of a couple minutes is neither fat, was <sighs> also a model, but yes, did happen to come from an abusive background. Ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. Geniuses. Mm-hmm. But they also, you know, where's the alcoholic? Where's just the complete lack of empathy and somehow making it funny? When he says, don't get pregnant, he's talking about, like, don't continue the bloodline mm-hmm. of this trash. Totally. Totally. You know, you. it's not about protecting her or you know, take things slowly even. It's mm-hmm. just like kill yourself. That's what mm-hmm. I hear Interesting. when I hear the call with Courtney. Yeah. It's just like, you're ruined, you're broken. You're ruined, you're broken. You're and, fat. And not, you're fat. Well, thank God you're not fat. And we're thank God you're fuckable. I think the other thing that they're getting at, and that's a good point, is like the concept of intergenerational trauma, which is now kind of a tossed off phrase. And like, it's more common and more understood that you inherit the trauma and the abusive tendencies of your parents who inherited them from their parents and blah, 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 blah. Is that the implication there with don't get pregnant? Or do you think it's more? Yeah, I think it's just like trash, trash like you shouldn't get pregnant and you're doomed yeah dr drew like spots out some really questionable um statistics i heard him tell a caller that if he was add and his father was an alcoholic that meant automatically that he was an alcoholic Mm, because you can't you know he's really big on these bipolar means this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you have addiction in your past you will never overcome it you must always be vigilant and Mm -hmm. yet his new podcast opens with a cbd spawn con (laughs) not that there's anything wrong with cbd but i just find it ironic that the addiction specialist because of course you know people who smoke pot right you know are naturally attracted to cbd even though it's not psych Active. Right. I mean, it's that's just, how I knew what a gateway drug was, which exactly. like wasn't only Drew saying it, Dr. Drew, but like I remember him saying like, once you start smoking weed, you end up at heroin. Yeah. And again, it's like just the sheer irresponsibility of you can't, you cannot speak in such black and white, stupid, you know, <laughs> knee jerk No, you can't. As a doctor, he even 20 years ago, he knew better than this. Okay, so next we're going to listen to what happens when callers resist being asked, where's your dad, or who don't go along with that line of questioning. So this caller is named Donna. This is actually on the same episode as Courtney. Donna, they don't know how old she is. She sounds like she's slightly older than maybe 18. 
And she calls to say that she's worried about the fact that she has this sexual fantasy. She doesn't know what it means and she wants their analysis and advice, which is that she can really only enjoy sex if she's tying her boyfriend up and dripping candle wax on him and then he has to break free. (laughs) Wait, I guarantee the Madonna movie Body of Evidence came out. Around the time of right. this episode. It seems like particularly 90s to, dra- to drip wax on someone. Like it's so something you see yeah, on Madonna or like a music <laughs> video. Like that kink is so specific to the 90s. I haven't <laughs> thought about that in so Has long. Has anyone actually, is that really people's kink or is that like it from is. like a it's music an video? It's an S&M thing. And there was a time during the Sex in the City era, which mm. is analogous to Loveline really. Mm-hmm. There was a moment in New York City when there were the S&M or BDSM themed restaurants Mm -hmm. and once I accidentally took my boyfriend to have a birthday party there with all of his real estate firm brokerage colleagues and I arranged for him to get a birthday spanking you know, in the dungeon area mm. of the restaurant. And I thought that was going to mean a little hanky-panky, mm-hmm. you know, a little tap by mm-hmm. a hot chick wearing a bustier. And all of our friends gathered around, and he's stripped down to his boxers, and this woman just, like, beats the shit out of him with a board, like mm. with a paddle, while simultaneously dripping a burning candle oh wax all God. down his, like, butt and crack and I just screamed for her to stop I'm like every safe word every safe word and I still feel so guilty about it to this day sorry Paul what did he do he was was I think humiliated surprised and you know hopefully I didn't let it last that long (laughs) he I just I was in my 20s I didn't even know that it was like a real thing for people to get off on being hit right right, so it is an interesting question what are the roots what what are the roots why am I into this yes but that's not what happens during this call although to be fair earlier in the call Adam Carolla after she says all of this he is like well you know some people are into this stuff once in a while like what are you talking about yeah And then they get her to go into more specifics that she wants her boyfriend to break out of the restraints and and punish her and that she likes, just not likes, but that one reason why it works for her is that she feels like she acts inappropriately or out of line, quote unquote, with her boyfriend during the day, like just in their daily lives, and that these are her moments to be punished for it, which is what then Mm. starts Dr. Drew on this line of questioning about her father and whether she was spanked growing up, which she's sort of resistant to and says no but here's what happens when callers don't go along with the escape route and blame everything on your father come on donna just admit he uh whipped you a little bit come on no i think that the last time that he did i was probably in seventh grade but he did the fact that he ever did is what causes these kinds of fetishes ever do you understand that? Mm, I guess. All okay. right. Well, listen. Screw you. Deny everything and let your boyfriend beat the crap out of you for the rest of your life. Go to hell. I don't care. I'm done with all this, Drew. I'm trying to. I'm done trying to convince people they're screwed up. 
You're well, calling the show. You're saying that you you know you drip candle wax and your boyfriend's scrotum. You tie him up the phone cord. Then he chews his way out and beats the crap out of you. This goes on every night. Maybe I've been a little bit naughty during the day. I think I might deserve it. Then we got to sit there and ring you like a bar rag to get just a drop of information out of you. But we you you kick and scream for every ounce of usable information, and now it's screw you. Forget it. So you, you had, no, it had nothing to do with anything. You just got hooked up with the the one boyfriend that beat the crap out of you. Magically, you got a new boyfriend that's beating on you. And magically, I knew that her dad. And magically, actually. Drew knew that dad may have done a little boozing and a little smacking himself, but there's zero connection. It's just a big string of coincidences, and there's no connection. So what's what have we learned? Nothing. You can never change. There's nothing to look into. None of you, I'm going to use some reverse psychology, don't look into anything. You'll never change. I want you to stay exactly the way you are. Don't examine your past. Of course, even if they do. It has no bearing on your future. Even if they do examine, it doesn't mean they're going to change. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> wow. So I feel like Adam talked a little bit longer than the guest there, mm-hmm. <laughs> who actually didn't speak at all. So they're trying to get her to say her father abused her. Then she says, well, maybe he was abusive to me in seventh grade. And again, what's interesting about this dynamic, and I remember listening to Loveline, if this is 2000, I would have been like 17 or 18 listening to this, thinking like that I understood Adam Carolla's frustration in these moments of like, why can't these people see, you know? Yeah. However, it's the lack of care and and gentleness and awareness, respect of like, oh, we're talking to someone who is saying that their father whipped them, quote unquote, in seventh grade at age 12 or 13. And she's having a hard time connecting the dots and she's met with you're an idiot and you know what go ahead and go get beaten up by your boyfriend i hope your boyfriend what does he say he says screw you and let your boyfriend beat the crap out of you for the rest of your life Dr. Drew says being spanked is what causes BDSM right, right. or this fetish as right. he calls it i grew up being spanked a lot and i was so clueless about S&M that I accidentally got my boyfriend beaten up at a restaurant. You know, I promise you I'm not into being hit or hitting others. So mm-hmm. fuck you, Dr. Drew. I'm pretty sure it goes a little deeper than spanking. So <laughs> where do we go from here? We've determined that Drew is... <laughs> in shock from these clips. So, so far in the conversation, we've determined that Dr. Drew should have known better and that too many times in these conversations that he's not gentle with the listeners around true trauma, but then also sort of wags his fingers at them. Yeah, he does. Does Dr. Drew hate his callers? Because what we don't hear going back and listening to these old episodes is any gentleness or empathy. Who's the other big kind of TV doctor of this time at the same time that's coming up? Doogie Howser. (laughs) Also Doogie Howser, but... Doctor. Oh, yeah, Dr. Phil. And in 2010, this was in an interview with the Huffington Post, Dr. Drew says the following about Dr. Phil. Quote, Dr. Phil does good TV. Beyond that, I don't know. He's a psychologist who isn't even licensed to practice anymore. I'm troubled by the way the term doctor gets thrown around nowadays, so much so that people don't even know exactly what a doctor is anymore. If they listen to my show, 
if they hear me speak, they'll be able to tell the difference between us pretty fast. <laughs> Dr. Phil does tend to speak in these, I don't know, sort of slogans, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like in, some might call it a 12-step slogan. In addition to such gems as, how's that working for you? In response to literally anything, like, how's that working for you? Right. You're only lonely if you're not there for you. <gasps> Sometimes you make the right decision. Sometimes you make the decision right. It's better to be healthy alone than sick with someone else, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty sure is an Al-Anon thing. That's, that... a- that's Al-Anon. I say that as someone who's a um, grateful who, member of Al-Anon. Who needs to be at her <laughs> Al-Anon meeting in an hour. I gotta so go. I gotta go. Hurry. <laughs> We've all seen Dr. Phil's TV show. It's very sensationalized. But at the end of the 40-minute exploitation Bukaki Bonanza, <laughs> he does offer via Bukaki his producers, Bonanza. he does offer via his producers some, you know, we're going to set you up with a local therapist. We're going to set you up with this you right. know, um, treatment for 90 days or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if clinical doctor physician md dr drew were to do that you would have to not just appear on his show once but completely devote your life to a reality series called teen mom Because I think he was on Teen Mom too. But yeah, that's a good point. These episodes with Dr. Phil, there was like some next step. And that's what was lacking in the the radio show, which is, you know, really, truly dealing with children. I mean, a lot of the callers, as we've talked about already, are kids. They're really young. He's worse than Dr. Phil. How is he worse? Because Dr. Phil is an idiot, right? I think they're both idiots because they rely on these oversimplifications, this pop psychology. There's no room for nuance. It's total exploitation. It's like being a a TV psychic or something. Right. You know, you just sum somebody up in in 10 seconds and then you say something that sounds like wisdom but is probably a fortune cookie. And it's what you just said, that he and Drew both use this black and white, like this happened to you, this happened to you, therefore this, which is obviously more complicated than that It's in just terms of basic psychology and human nature and how people act. Yeah. Dr. Phil is on at what time? One o'clock in the afternoon or two? Like, yeah, it's every their day. Their intended target audience is not kids listening in their bedrooms at home, which is what Loveline was. And so Drew, in a way, I feel like is even worse and more irresponsible because you have teenagers listening to this stuff. There seems to be a lack of awareness or willingness on his part to be speaking for the greater listenership in these moments. I know it's true. Considering Um, the platform that he had, I believe he had a show or he's always had shows. Dr. Drew is the most employed fake psychiatrist on the face of the planet. (laughs) Didn't he have a, he had a show forever on. Yeah, he has, we can read them off. Dr. Drew on call. Celebrity Mm -hmm. rehab with Dr. Drew. Sex rehab with Dr. Drew. Strictly sex with Dr. Drew. Strictly Dr. Drew. (laughs) Life changers. That seemed to be something with like the general pub and him weighing in. Loveline TV show. So there was a TV version of it. Mm. 16 and pregnant. Big brother. A bunch of like little appearances here and there. Teen mom too. 
Sure. Oh, sorry. Teen Mom, Teen Mom 2, and then all of the Teen Mom um, reunion shows. The intended audience, and as we know from listening to these old clips of Loveline, you have people calling in who are 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. Yes. And that's how old I was when I was listening to the show. Yes. And the fact that... That's that's something that I really bristle at is like these were children. These were children calling in and if it's children calling in there's you have to assume that it's children listening to you. Yeah. So when you act like someone is a fucking idiot for not, you know, being self-aware at age 17 about their abuse. Right. Like, oh, you're having sex with your social studies teacher mm-hmm. at 16, but I love him. You right. think you do, honey. <laughs> no, but you he's don't, fucking Caitlin. all your other friends, you know, <laughs> right. like what? Right. There's no sensitivity there oh, at all. I was re-listening to some episodes and at one point, one of the girls that they're talking to says the word fuck and they bleep it out and then oh, chastise her for saying for the saying word, it, for yeah. swearing mm-hmm. after all of the horrible things they say that aren't technically swears. Right. And that same sense of exasperation. Like, yeah. how could you be so stupid right. that this is your life? Right. The anger. Is that is that anger that we see? Because we hear in the, both those clips that we just listened to, you hear it in Drew and Adam Carolla. Yeah. What is that? Is that, is that people not listening you. to them? Is it people not... Like the thing that's painful to hear, I mean, and I've heard them, I, I'm, I'm sure there are lots of examples of them doing it to men and young men and teenage boys that call in, but like, it just, it feels extra icky when it's a girl who's like, well, yeah, I guess my dad did beat me when I was in seventh grade, or I guess yeah, I was molested, or I guess I, w- I actually was raped when I was 15, to then have that met with, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, there that was disdain a- in his voice and the exasperation. When Adam Carolla really rips into that woman, he says, I can hear it in your voice when she says, yes. well, OK, I guess that he my stepmom said something about him molesting and going to court for molestation. But before that, it's I can hear it in your voice. Most female callers that called in and a lot of them who had kind of higher pitched, like sort of baby voices, either because they were actually like 12 or they were there were older women with vocal fry or kind of babier voices, whatever that means. Just high voices. Just high voices would be quizzed immediately about where their fathers were, what their their trauma was around their fathers. You listen to it and you're like Freudian flashcards that he's using and that Adam Carolla is using to just push the episodes along quickly. They're trying to get as many callers on the show. A woman doesn't even finish her question. It's like, it's because of your dad. Get help next. um, And certainly paternal trauma and and parental trauma. Like we all take that stuff on from like what we grew up with from either parent. But I think the one thing that really sticks out for both of us listening to this show again as as adults and even then was how it made me scared. It made (laughs) me feel like I was like 13, 14. My father was, you know, things were not good in in my house. And my dad was on the verge of, of leaving. And he it was it was an unpleasant time. And I was very aware of it while it was happening. And yeah. I remember listening to Loveline and thinking, oh, my God, number one, I'm doomed. Yeah. Um, I'm doomed with my daddy issues. They're going to follow me for the rest of my life and ruin my life. And number two, my voice will be my tell. 
(laughs) All men can tell how broken you are and then will actually seek that out in you. Exactly. Well, Dr. Drew famously says, it's one of his rules, he can pinpoint what age you were molested really? based on the sound of your voice. Really? So if you if you sound 12, mm-hmm. but you're actually 20, it means you were molested, raped, or somebody died, or there was a, an essential trauma right. that you do not grow from and you will never escape. Right. But the additional insanity that is that one's vocal cords become like ossified at that moment and they don't (laughs) they're just stuck and you're gonna talk like this for the rest of your life there's a lot of other factors (laughs) there's so many what about all the cigarettes i smoked when i was five yeah i mean you don't know i mean it's dangerous misinformation and it's stupid and also is incredibly beside the point so I think what I'm hearing you say yes. is that <laughs> is that Dr. Drew really doesn't care or doesn't seem to really care about his patients, for lack of a better word. When people would call in to the show and they would talk about being super depressed, he would take that seriously and he would often talk to them about medication, right? And that that was an important part of my understanding, I think, early on that it's okay to seek out medical help for your depression definitely it's okay to take a pill um and loveline did help to sort of have those discussions around that like who isn't depressed Mm -hmm. who isn't anxious Mm -hmm. maybe this will work for you yes depression can happen in children here's Mm. when it's worth uh, you know like one of the the episodes we listened to today like featured a question from a caller is it possible for a 10 year old to be depressed Mm -hmm. dr drew immediately says hell yes and makes an attempt to basically take that seriously before going on to yell at a bunch of other people there was some serious conversations around mental health that were actually very there were but now that we've learned in retrospect that he was a paid shill for let's say wellbutrin an antidepressant in a federal lawsuit in 2012 that led to a $3 billion settlement on mm-hmm. behalf of the drug company that makes Wellbutrin, GlaxoSmithKline. Mm-hmm. It was revealed that Dr. Drew was paid $275,000 to shill that antidepressant on Loveline Which, and other shows. In hindsight, he I can remember him talking to people about Wellbutrin. Because it's specifically, what did it do? It made you horny. Yes. He (laughs) said (laughs) that Wellbutrin for our patients who find that their junk has been numbed by their Lexapro. Right. Wellbutrin has been found to cause multi-orgasms in some patients. Wow. Namely women. who, And then he would probably go into a shtick about how, you know, women are repressed by their depression (laughs) and can't come and therefore... Maybe this antidepressant will help get you there. It is true that certain drugs make you numb and make sex really not enjoyable. And women and men suffer from that. The the messed up thing is that this was all being talked about via, you know, an underlying push from Dr. Drew to push Wellbutrin. And he made a huge profit. He made how much money? 275 That was just for that. But that same year, 2012, this is years after mm-hmm. the Loveline radio show, 
The LA Times reported that 1-800-GET-THIN, which is the lap band surgery marketing firm, was the subject of a lawsuit from the FDA for misleading advertising, and Dr. Drew was the voice of 1-800-GET-THIN radio ads. And then we have, you know, where's dad, Dr. Drew, his own daughter, coming out years later saying i've struggled with bulimia and anorexia right that was like a year after the lap band 1-800 thin lawsuit yeah he was the voice of 1-800 get thin well Mm. let's talk about his daughter so his daughter in the context of 1-800 thin (laughs) revealed when she was in college and she was writing for the columbia daily spectator about her struggles mm. with bulimia and anorexia and just overall body image. And she talks about her mother being a big influence and kind of like being dismissive of her fears and being a little controlling at the same time right. about food restriction. And she wrote in one of her blog posts that um, it was when Kim Kardashian was pregnant with North. Everybody was talking about what a big, giant, fat lard she was Mm -hmm. for being pregnant. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Drew's daughter writes, I found the media's emphasis on her weight gain disturbing. Before my mother interrupted me, yeah, she got really fat. I looked at my father and he just mumbled his medical opinion under his breath saying, you know, it's very unhealthy for the baby to gain that much weight. Could be eclampsia. So he was just as dismissive, I guess, in his personal life as he would be to a caller so hopefully she doesn't take it that personal the thing about it is like you know the way that it's written that she looked to the doctor in the room and he just mumbled his his medical opinion under his breath even that phrasing he just mumbled she was waiting for him to jump in with more sort of like true clinical opinions about eating disorders which he opined on frequently on the show and typically he would start with asking about how their mothers were with them about food restriction but the fact that she says he mumbled is you know she's sort of looking to him for yeah hey dad I imagine that it would be really hard to be his daughter and to be a teenager struggling with her own body image not feeling like you can go to ask your dad that you can trust him not to shame you dr drew chose adam carolla over his daughter her entire life right well and also you know the confusion that must have popped up for her i mean again this implies that he was being kind about it or compassionate about it with her at home and maybe he wasn't unfortunately but like can you imagine being that age and struggling that way and then hearing your dad do nothing as adam carolla is like you know five bucks that she was fat in high school yeah and everyone laughs when we were growing up how did you see your own body You know, did you think about it in terms of being attractive to men or being attracted to women or not attractive to anyone? Not, I mean, I think. Did you feel fat? Yes. I mean, I felt. I still feel fat. <laughs> well, exactly. Like, what's the difference? Um, yes, I felt fat. I felt I had a kind of an extra fun time with puberty because I developed really quickly and I know that weird age where like half the seventh grade half the class could pass for like 30 and the other half look like they're in pull-ups 
Um, yeah. and, and I was in that passing for 30 camp, which so much to the point that when I was like 10, I had like boobs, like yeah. a B cut boob. And my parents were so alarmed that they took me to a doctor who had me get an MRI because they thought I had a, a tumor pushing on my pituitary gland because I was on. developing so fast. And so, you know, and, and I didn't have one. And it's I think it's a fairly common issue. I mean, I've met other people that experience this is called precocious puberty, where you just go into puberty earlier mm-hmm. than maybe other kids. So I felt extra freakish. Neither of my parents ever shamed me about my body or my weight. And I can remember saying things about myself, like putting myself down in front of my dad and him being like, no, honey, like you're, you're perfect. He was always pretty gentle and kind in those moments. But like, yeah, I definitely didn't like how I looked. Definitely had my flirtations with eating disorders, not even flirtations, like full blown eating disorders in, in college and out of college. Yeah, too of not eating and starving myself and getting really skinny. It's a it's a baffling disease. Yeah, or just and body image in women is so confusing and mm-hmm. loaded. So you cannot just say it's about one's dad or one's mom or it's genetic or no. But it's certainly baked into the culture that girls have to be pretty and girls have to be thin still. Mm-hmm. And I got that message. Not from either of my parents explicitly, mm-hmm. but both of my everyone was freakishly thin in our family mm-hmm. on both sides. And so that was the thing. It was like the boys that I was sleeping with in high school were like, you need to be wearing cuter underwear. Ugh. That's how I found out what Victoria's Secret was, you know, because that's where they had the sexy, silky mm. panty instead of the, you know, Hanes her way three right. for five or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it was just the guys. It was it was the guys in my it was life like who your... were just like, "Where are your boobs?" Right? You know, why are you stuffing your bra? All in the same sentence, uh-huh. like ha ha ha, tee hee. Yeah, and these were guys that you were having sex. Yeah, with. that I was already having sex with, and they were like, "You need to be a little more womanly." Interesting. I don't know. I was reading this op-ed by a woman who was like, "You know, it's just as much Dr. Drew's fault." that his daughter had an eating disorder as it is her mother's Mm. or just that it seems like he would always deflect that body image stuff was due to the person's mother the -hmm. young woman's mother and how controlling she was or how restrictive with her diet or Mm -hmm. how Jewish or whatever right Um, you'd be so pretty if you just lost five pounds or no man will want to look at you and not being like only something that a mother like in this dynamic that dr drew has peddled or maybe that eating disorders don't come out of the the, the father exactly. dynamic which i would say is has been unproven and argued against for a long time the psychology around adolescence and eating disorders and the i mean the idea of the perfect daughter is the starving daughter that you have to be pretty for your father like daddy's little girl stuff comes with such an unspoken and also spoken language of sexuality and beauty around it, which is really strange. Yeah. Like, what? And something we'll be focusing on a lot. I, obviously, it comes up again and again. Right. Because moms, and you see it happening at two, three years old. Like, I have a three-year-old nephew, and there's nothing culturally that's like, mommy's handsome. <laughs> 
mommy's handsome guy mommy's little man i mean they I mean, do there have is, that we do have it but it's not i don't know it's, it's not the same it's not as sexy the little man isn't as sexy it's not as steamy and sensual <laughs> what it was it anna nicole who who called her baby sexy what she wanted to keep her baby sexy no meaning not too fat I, you don't remember this it was no. right before was she it died danny lynn danny lynn uh-huh. sexy baby but yeah i mean i think eating disorders and like what young girls look like is totally a dad thing too it's i mean it's never just one parent dysfunction can never just be attributed to one person or one thing but like dysfunction in this case being the eating disorder but like i think it's so perpetuated by the daddy daughter world like those dances yeah the the purity ball the purity dance the church is is very into like separating the genders in general like it's it's all about boys only girls only we should also talk about what dr drew is doing now like has his approach changed that much like this was 20 years ago i mean 2000 versus 2020 like yes a lot and the the dialogue and the discourse for lack of a better phrase have changed i can't remember a time before him and he has always been you know this he's the expert of narcissism Mm -hmm. like for a while he had a show that was just about celebrity narcissism and Mm -hmm. his podcast now is a lot of like here's what it means like trump is a narcissist and it's like we get it Mm -hmm. you know you you've made your point but he has always been the clearest narcissist in my mind i mean what doctor who gives a real shit about mental health aligns themselves with shitty stand-up comedians their entire clinical career no totally the only time really in recent memory that i've because i think about dr drew and where's dad pretty frequently (laughs) oh shit um in my my own life um where's dad where's drew but this is a headline from march of 2019 so last march that said the headline is just Dr. Drew says something's not right with Beta O'Rourke. <laughs> yeah, why Who, by he the way, like yeah. Dr. Uh, Beta. He doesn't trust him. He doesn't trust him. All he says is something's not right. And then he's on a website called Fox Nation with a Fox and Friends host, which is oh. wow. Wow. Brian Kilmeade. That's Craven. So on this show, they're listening to Beto O'Rourke's campaign announcement, which was a little cuckoo-lulu in response to audio of of O'Rourke's presidential announcement video. The implication being there is no difference. I thought that was Tony Robbins. I'm just saying there's something that's going to go down there. I can feel it coming. I don't know what it is. There's something not right. Well, on top of it, don't forget that isn't Tony Robbins now being Me Too'd? I mean, <laughs> so what's he impl- going what's he back decades? Yeah. yeah, so he's saying, I mean, Tony Robbins is another Dr. Drew, but right. even older somehow. The, <laughs> the cock calling the kettle black. Totally. Then later he says to so the Brian Kilmeade, who's a host on, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right, and I don't frankly fucking care. <laughs> but he's one of the Fox and Friends hosts in the morning. And he's pushing Pinsky in these moments to, he's saying, well, what's really setting off your alarm bells? And he says, he uses a lot of expletives. This is Dr. Drew talking about Beta O'Rourke. People like that. And then he trails up and a Brian Kilmeade says, what are you picking up? And he says, something in my gut. 
I'm not sure yet. I haven't really examined it carefully enough. I just can tell there's a disconnect between what people think they're seeing and what's there. That's where I'm at. Which is like everyone, there's a disconnect between what we see and who we really are, of course. Shocker. But again, like to your point earlier about like Dr. Phil, like this ilk is kind of psychic-esque behavior or like, I'll I'll need more time. More will be revealed on this, but I'm picking up something. Yeah, I'm sensing that (laughs) politicians are liars. (laughs) I'm sensing that politicians are over the top people who use curse words. Interestingly enough, though, again... Is, what about is, Cory Booker? What, I mean, what about Cory Booker? Where is Cory Booker's where is dad? Corey? And also, folks, Beto O'Rourke's dad died when he was a teenager. Um, so there you go. Chills. Dr. <laughs> Drew was picking something up. And really, I'd like to know if he regrets how they handled these calls and if he were to go back and go through this exhaustively cataloged website, if he would wince at how they handled some there's of these no, callers. There's just no way. So we wonder, Dr. Drew. Where's your dad? Where's your dad, Dr. Drew? And also, do you regret it? In digging around on this weird Loveline archive site, we did find some audio of a girl in 1999 in an episode from October 10th, 1999, named Megan. Megan is one of one of the young women who calls in over the years to question why are you always you know, blaming it on girls and their relationship with their fathers. Okay. Yeah. So here's Megan, who is 16 years old. Uh, Megan? Yeah. You're 16. Yeah. What's up? Um, nothing. I, like, lied and told them a lie because I wanted to tell you guys that, <clears throat> Adam, you need to be, like, more sensitive about, like, when girls and guys have their have problems. You don't need to be so rude. And you need to let Dr. Drew talk because he's a doctor and he, like, knows everything. And every time a girl has a problem, it's not because of their dad. Hey, I gave him the first half hour tonight. I didn't what? say a word. Forty in, minutes. I didn't say a word until, like, uh, 10.35 tonight. I know, but you're still... He, he's, like, the main guy on there. And he he likes me. All right. I understand. Yeah, Megan, unfortunately, a lot of guys, a lot of people out there like Adam better than me, though. Yeah, most. Well, I don't. Uh, excluding my immediate family. <laughs> I think Adam's totally rude. All right, so where's your dad? My dad? My dad is fine. And I called three weeks ago, and you guys told me I'd be pregnant. And Or no, I called four weeks ago. Oh, here we go. Ooh. And you guys told me that I'd be pregnant by in like three weeks. Well, I'm not. Okay. Yeah, you guys need to be a little more sensitive. The night is still young. But seriously, where's your dad? My dad, he lives with me. Really? Yeah. And mom? My mom, they're divorced. When right. did your dad rape you? And uh, how's that going? Thanks for listening. Tell Me About Your Father was created and produced by Erin Hosier, Elizabeth Thompson, and Matthew Philp. For more information, visit tellmeaboutyourfather.com. Follow us on Twitter at TMAYF Podcast and on Instagram at tellmeaboutyourfather. Call our hotline at 888-318-DADS 24 hours a day and tell us about your father. That's 888-318-DADS. This podcast was inspired by Erin's memoir, Don't Let Me Down, which is available where all good books are sold. Episodes were recorded by Rob Hahn at the Playground Studios in Brooklyn and edited by Chris Gellis and Emma Donoher. Our logo was designed by Cicero de Guzman and illustrated by Richard Verges. Special thanks to Mark Sussman, Jessica Suarez, Michael Vescio and Betsy Lerner. <laughs>